When I was a kid, we raised uh, Suffolk sheep, and uh, we, uh, if you know anything about sheep, they're uh, sometimes not the, the most intelligent uh, of animals, um, and uh, we, uh, we, we raised Suffolk sheep. They were, they were awesome. Um, they were hard work, uh, especially when it came to lambing uh, season, and uh, the lambs would be born, and they'd be born these all black lambs uh, with just a little curly wool and uh, tail and all that kind of stuff, uh, and they were cute, um, very, very cute. It's kind of like kittens. They're cute, but when they become cats, anyway, uh, I won't go there. Um, so, uh, sorry, uh, some of you are like, I don't like this guy now. Um, it's okay. I'll forgive you. Um, so, uh, lambs, they, they come out, they, they you know, do their, the whole thing with their mom, and uh, we end up weaning them. And uh, what's amazing is uh, after that, th- this whole time, they're, they're in a pen, basically. Um, they're protected. They're in a little small pen. And, uh, and then um, after we've weaned them, we let them out into a pasture area um, that's designated just for them. And uh, <laughs> it is one of the most, it is so much fun to watch lambs when they're first released out into the pen out into the, the field, um, out into the pasture. Uh, they, they, they're kind of, you know, slow at first, and they get out there, and then they realize that there's space, and they go crazy. Um, and uh, lambs will do this kicking thing where they kick their front legs out and their back legs out, and they're just jumping all over the place and having a ball out in the pasture, uh, running around, going crazy, and they're just free. And it's amazing to watch. And uh, as I was thinking about, again, just this whole idea of freedom and, and what we have in our relationship with Christ and what we have as a part of what he has done for us, the reality is, is that, you know, the Bible does call us sheep. That we're, we're the sheep of his pasture. That, that we are, as human beings, sheep. And God is, through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the great shepherd and, uh, and we're called to be free. We're called to live free. But that freedom doesn't mean that there's not still offense. And what's interesting is, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, we looked at this last week. Now, where the Spirit of, or now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But, but, but we need to understand something. Where He is not is not freedom. And, and so we live in a world that says just take down the fence around the pasture of our lives and just run free. Now, if we were to do that for those lambs and we had no fence up, there was no guardrail up, and, and, and there was nothing that would protect them, what would happen to them? I mean, in our area where we lived, we had coyotes that would come all the time. Someone was, was telling me that, that just this past this past year, someone in, in this area had taken out 52 coyotes just in, and this is one person, just in this Sauk Valley area. Somebody was saying that even in, in town, they've seen coyotes. I, I know when we were living over by the Dillon home, we, we had a deer in our backyard. Uh, that's crazy. We drove home, lights were on, and there was a deer standing in the backyard of our house right by the Dillon home. I was like, what is going on? Um, there's coyotes. There, there's 
There's, there was, we had a, a stream, a river that went through our property. Not only that, we had a highway that went through our property. If we just let those lambs go, what would ultimately happen to them? And here's the thing. We, we live in a culture that says we don't need boundaries. We don't need any of this. We're, we can do whatever we want, and we're free. The, the problem is, is that our freedom that we talk about in our culture is not just a freedom that, that would affect the individual as a person, but it also affects many, many others. And, and we're seeing it happen in our world. We're seeing it happen in our culture where the freedom that people are saying they want, which is actually not freedom because it's not where the Spirit of the Lord is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Well, where the Spirit of the Lord is not, is not freedom. And yet we live in a world that says you've got to be able to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, with whom you want to do it, whenever you want to do it, and I get to define what that looks like, and that's freedom. The problem is that's not freedom, and the problem is it's not just affecting that individual, it's affecting all kinds of people around them. And, 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 it, and this is true for us as followers of Christ, that our freedom is not just for us, our freedom is for others, and the way that we live our lives, the way that we view the, the freedom that we have in Christ, the, the way that we live that out impacts other people, and we need to be aware of that. We need to be absolutely aware of, of the way that we see freedom, the way that we view freedom, the way that we act as people who have been freed makes a difference in the lives of others. So if you would, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're actually going to go to two passages, Romans 8 and Acts chapter 1. Um, so if you want to start turning to Acts chapter 1, you can, but we're going to go to Romans 8 first. Romans 8, starting in verse 12. Again, realizing your freedom impacts other people. Your freedom impacts other people. So then... Notice this word, brothers. We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. How much more clear can it be? If you live for yourself, you will die. And not just, that's not just talking about physical death, that's talking about spiritual death. Spiritually separated from God. If you live for yourself, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, the deeds of the flesh, you will live. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, as daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Notice all throughout this passage, there are these words that are plural. Brothers, sons, children, heirs. All of these words, they are repeated over and over, and as a result of the freedom that we have in Christ and the Holy Spirit of God that resides in us, we 
get to be brothers. We get to be sons. We get to be heirs. We get to be children of God. And the way we live our lives impacts those people around us. And not just them, but even those who do not yet know about the awesome work of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own life. Our lives make a difference in the lives of others. Our our lives make a difference. The freedom that we live in, the freedom that we understand, makes a difference and an impact in the life of others. That's why... Jesus, even in talking about in John chapter 16, that a helper will come, he will lead you into all truth, and the Spirit's desire is, the longing of the Spirit of God is to glorify Jesus. Not to glorify himself. Not to bring attention to the Spirit of God. The the Spirit's desire, the Spirit's longing is to bring attention to Jesus. Why? It's because through Jesus that we have life. It's through Jesus that we have forgiveness of sin. It's through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. So what does the Holy Spirit of God do? He wants to glorify Jesus. Put the spotlight on Jesus. So if the Spirit of God is living in us, if the Spirit of God is is residing in us, and like we've said in 1 Corinthians Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Then live as a child of God. And you and I are called as as sons, as brothers, as uh, as children of God, as co-heirs and heirs of, of what God has given us. You and I are called to live it out in a way that points the attention to Jesus points the attention to Jesus. And so it's not all about you. This freedom that you have in Christ, it's not all about you. It's not all about what you get to enjoy. It's not all about what you have. It's, it's about all of us. Notice these words are plural. What does that mean? That means more than one. It's not just about you. You're not just a brother. You're not just a child. You're not just a son. You're not just an heir. You are part of being brothers and sisters. You are part of being children of God. You're part of being heirs together. And the way we live makes a difference. And we get to live this out together. We get to live this out, not as individuals, but we get to live this out together. In what context? The church. You and I are the church. The body of Christ, the family of God. The children of God, co-heirs of Christ. We, we are the church, and as, as the Holy Spirit is in each one of us, the Holy Spirit is in this place because where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. Why? Because he's inside each one of us. 
And because he's inside one of us, each one of us, we as the church, a supernatural church, get to live out together the glorification of Jesus in our lives. What Jesus, what Jesus is the world seeing in the church? What Jesus is the world seeing in, in our lives? Individually and then together, corporately, as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ. What's the world seeing? What's the world experiencing? How are we doing at glorifying Jesus as the church? I want us to think about that because it's so vital, and even as we go into another series of messages starting next week, which really is going to be tied in with this, we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes and and really looking at our attitude as followers of Christ together in a world that is not and does not know Jesus Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is not, there is not freedom. And we live in a world where there is not freedom. Do y'all, are you, yes? We we live in a world that does not know Jesus. They do not have the Spirit of God. So so why are we shocked by what's going on around us? They do not have the Spirit of God living in them. They do not know Jesus. What we ought to be shocked by is what's happening in the life and the in the in really the lives of of us as believers in the church. And going, wait, what? Aren't we supposed to be different? Isn't there supposed to be something about us that, that markedly is different than what we see out in the world? Because the truth is, is that you and I, as followers of Christ, we are Jesus witnesses. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Jesus speaking before he ascends into heaven. Says this in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of of the earth. He's speaking to his apostles. He's speaking to those that are gathered there, and he's telling them when the Holy Spirit of God comes. I've I've been telling you guys the Holy Spirit of God is coming. The helper is coming. When the Holy Spirit of God comes and he comes upon you, you will receive power. Power to do what? Power to be his witnesses in all of the world, in every place that they go. Jerusalem, Their city, Judea, their their nation, Samaria, the areas around their nation, the world, every area of the world. He is saying to them, guys, you are going to be, you are my witnesses. You are the ones who are going to take the good news of my story. And Jesus says, you're going out and going to tell others by how you live and by what you say. You're going to be a witness. What's interesting is that word witness is where we get the word martyr from. What is a martyr? 
A martyr is a willing victim. Someone who willingly lays down their life for something greater than their own. And each and every one of the 12, this is going to happen to them. They're going to give their life. Paul, later on, an apostle, gives his life for the sake of the gospel. He's willing to lay down his life for the good news of Jesus. They believed in this freedom so much. They believed in what was going on in their lives. They believed that in this so very much that they were willing to lay down their life for Christ. And it's still happening today. It's still happening today. There are people all over this world that are laying their life down literally for the sake of the gospel. I had the opportunity just a few years ago to go to Vietnam. And I'm sitting there at a table, and around that table are all of these different individuals who are leaders of the church in Vietnam. And every single one of them started sharing their story. All of them had spent at least a year and a half, if not more, in prison. One of them, the the one who is the main leader, he had had his... His, basically everything that he could use to be able to travel taken away from passport, taken away, uh, his, basically his, his uh, what do I want to say, um, wasn't even able to be even called uh, an individual of, of Vietnam. He was not even, he didn't, have, he didn't even have what, I mean, he was like a, an illegal alien in that country. Citizenship, thank you, couldn't think of the word. That was stripped from him. He missed every single one of his kids being born. He, he missed every, and, and, I, and I asked him, why? Why were you guys in prison? And their, their, their answer was the exact same. Because I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I preach what the Bible tells me. The communist government tells me, here's what you can say and here's what you cannot say. I don't do what they say. I preach the word of God. And I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm in prison. And and I'm thinking, holy cow. I I, I do this every Sunday without even worry about somebody barging in here and taking me down for preaching the word of God. These guys have to hide, and that's why it's called the underground church. Not because the churches are underground, but they're secret. They're hidden. We, we were being driven to one of these secret churches, and we had to have, check this out, we're driving in a car, me and this other guy who actually is, is now a missionary in Vietnam, he and I are, are together in this car, and we're being driven to a place by a guy we've never met who doesn't speak English. And we're being driven out into the country. We went outside the city. He says to us, and, and through an interpreter who's sitting next to him, thank God he had somebody who's speaking English, and he said to us, do you, do you have something to cover your head? And I'm like, I, I got my, my shirt. Put it over your head, please. And, the other, and my friend that was next to me, put that over your head, please. Put something over your head, please. Cover your eyes. And they would not let us see where we were going. I, I thought we were, I was like, what is happening? 
we're going to die. I don't know what's happening. This is so surreal. Why did we have to do that? We had to do that because they didn't want us, if we got arrested, they didn't want us to be able to tell where the location of the secret church was at. That's crazy. But you know what was, what was really interesting is that I'm sitting around there talking with these guys. These guys are like, I was like, they were telling me about the, the, what's happening in, in Vietnam and that people are coming to know Jesus like crazy. People are, they're, they're, people are coming to know Jesus at such a fast rate through the church in Vietnam that they don't even have the leaders to be able to step up to lead these churches. And, they're try, and that's why we were there. We were trying to equip leaders to be able to lead churches. And it's happening so rapidly there. And I said, why is that? Why is that? His answer blew me away. Just blew me away. He said, he said, the greatest thing to happen to our country, check this out, was communism. I was like, say what? He said communism. Because they came in and they stripped us of all of our freedoms they took everything away, and then they promised us that they would give us everything that we needed. And here we are 40 years later, and it's all a lie. And everybody in our communities knows it's a lie. And they know that the religion that they once followed is a lie. And they know that the government that, that, that supposedly was going to offer them everything is a lie. And so they don't know who to turn to, and they're seeing in the life of individuals in the church in Vietnam, they're seeing something that actually is real, that actually is making a difference, that actually is transforming lives, and they're putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. By the hundreds, thousands even. It's like, whoa. And every one of those individuals sitting around that table were praising God that they could be thrown in prison for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I felt like that small. Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit of God comes on you, you will have power and you will be my witnesses. And this was the beginning of the church and in Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit comes and then we see in Acts chapter 2 something really interesting about the church the church verse 42 lives out this freedom lives out this freedom check this out and they who the church just before that verse 41 Peter had gotten up and preached preached the gospel with all boldness and everybody was like whoa I, who is this guy? Wasn't he a fisherman? We, he, whoa. And it wasn't him. It was the Holy Spirit of God through him that was giving him power to be able to preach. And he was preaching, and the Bible says that 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. 
So verse 42, what happens? They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. God added to their number Day by day, those who were being saved, but they, what were they doing? They were having, they were having, they had devoted themselves to the word of God. They had devoted themselves to fellowship together. They had devoted, they had devoted themselves to remembering, that's the breaking of bread, remembering what Jesus had done for them through communion, and they were devoting themselves to prayer. All of those things are about loving God. All those things are about pouring out their soul to God and realizing without God I have nothing. And they were pouring out their lives to God. And then not only were they pouring out their lives to God, but they were pouring their lives out to one another. All who believed were together, had all things, all things in common. They were selling their possessions. They were giving to those that had need. Day by day they would come together and they would then go to their homes and eat together. And they would praise God together, and they would have, find favor with all people. So not only do we see love God here, but we also see that they're loving people. And it's not just the people who are part of the church in that moment. There are all these other people that are also seeing this. They had favor with all people. And what happened? The Lord added to their number Day by day, those who were being saved. God did the work of do something about it. I mean, they were doing something about it as a result of their love for God and their love for people. God was the one bringing in those who would be saved. God was doing that work. He was multiplying what was going on, and he was building up his church. And aren't you glad that those individuals said yes to the Holy Spirit of God because you and I sit here today in this building, online, we sit here today because they said yes. They said yes to what the Holy Spirit of God was leading them to do. They said yes to what Jesus had instructed them to do. And as a result, now we here we are 2,000 some years later and we're still meeting together. We're still fellowshipping together. But I wonder, are there things that we could be doing that God is calling us to do that we haven't done? Like, maybe eating together a little more, inviting people over to your house and having a meal or your front porch or your back porch or wherever, a park. It may, I don't know. I don't know what the Holy Spirit of God wants to do in your life. I don't know what the Holy Spirit of God is telling you to do, but, but here's the thing. I know our freedom, the way we live our lives, the way that we see ourselves in light of who Jesus is, and the very fact that the Holy Spirit of God resides in us, we've got to ask the question, what if the Holy Spirit, dot, 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 
What if the Holy Spirit is right now telling me I need to invite all of my neighbors over to my house for a barbecue? Just so I can get to know their names. Just so I can get to know who they are. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder, do you know who all your neighbors are? Some of y'all are like, well, but I live in the country and my nearest neighbor is five and a half miles away. Okay, do you know who they are? I'm just saying, have you ever drove up to their house and be like, hey, hi, I, I live five and a half miles down the road. Okay, this is the reason why I live five and a half miles down the road, because I don't want to talk to people. I, I don't know. <laughs> but you don't know if you don't try. I'm just saying. We make up all kinds of excuses, but the reality is, is if the Holy Spirit of God is directing you to do something, he's not directing you to do something so you can go, no. He's not directing you to do something to go, eh, I don't have time. Here, let me make up a hundred more excuses of why I shouldn't do what the Holy Spirit of God is telling me to do. No, what he wants you to do is say yes. Can you imagine if the apostles said no to Jesus? Nah, that's all right. Thanks, Jesus. We'll pass. Got more things to do. I got a job. I need to take care of that. I got a family I got to feed. Got all that stuff. Is that important? Yeah, it's important. Is, is obeying the Holy Spirit of God more important? Yes. Yes, it is. Because guess what? Your freedom will not only impact you, but it'll impact your family. It'll impact the people around you. It'll impact the individuals that you work with. It'll impact your neighborhood. It'll impact your, your, the places that you play. It'll impact every single aspect of your life. And here's the deal. What, what if we were willing as a church, will we, as harvest time, say yes to the Holy Spirit of God? I, I love these verses, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power, what power? The Holy Spirit at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. You and I as co-heirs, you and I as children of God, you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ, you and I serve a God who is going to have the name of Jesus glorified through every generation whether we say yes or not. But the beauty is is that there are people all over this world saying yes, I will do what the Holy Spirit of God wants me to do and God is blowing us away with what he can do. Do do we believe that? I mean, they say to they tell us and 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 I, I love this, you know where the greatest the greatest explosion of Christianity is happening today. The greatest explosion of Christianity that's happening today where people are putting their faith and trust in Jesus is in Afghanistan and in Iran. And guess what? There's not missionaries going in there. God is just showing up and transforming the lives of people. And the beauty of God is, is that he's allowing their freedom in the Holy Spirit to impact others around them. And they're transforming their countries for the word of God and for the sake and glory of Jesus Christ. And it's the power of God. It's not, the people are just saying yes. Yes. 
So what, what if we said yes? What if we continue to say yes? I'm so glad that in 1981, there were some people here that some are still here today that said yes to the Lord and started Harvest Time Bible Church. We're celebrating in, in November, uh, our anniversary like we do every November. And uh, Jane and Dallas, obviously part of saying yes, leading the saying yes. They said yes, and as a result, God has used Harvest Time to impact the lives of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And oh my word, what could God do if we continue to say yes? What, what could God do if we continue to say yes to the Holy Spirit of God and let him work in our lives as he wants to? Are we willing to say yes? Will you just close your eyes, bow your head? In just a little bit, worship team is going to introduce a new song. It has to do with the Beatitudes. What's really interesting is, is that the Beatitudes are attitudes that we can have in our lives as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. And we can look at life in a very, very different way. Maybe you're here and uh, part of your problem is, is that you need an attitude adjustment. I don't know. We're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks, but listen, if the Spirit of God is telling you to do something and you're saying no, my friend, you probably need an attitude adjustment. You probably do. If you're here today and you're going, you know what, I, I don't even know Jesus, there's going to be some people up here at the front, there's going to be people at the back, and uh, those individuals can go ahead and come now. What are they here for? They're here to pray with you. They, they care about you. They love you. They may not even know your name, but that doesn't mean they just don't love you. We still love you. You're a child. You're, you're, you're a human being. You were, you're created by God. We love you. We care about you. We want to express that to you through prayer. So if you want to come and pray with somebody, we're going to be down here. And, and, uh, and so, again, what does God want us to do? What does he want us to do? He wants to say yes. Are we willing to say yes? We want to realize that, that what we do, what we say, how we live impacts not just us, but others. Do we want to be used by God to impact others? Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that Jesus said yes. Thank you that Jesus came because of his love for everyone. Would you help us to love everyone? Would you help us to be willing to realize Spirit of God living in us is not living in us so that we sit and do nothing. He's living in us so that we would live for you. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name.